You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Dieter Bone from The Verge, and I'm breaking into your podcast for just a minute to ask you a pretty simple question. Have you ever read or watched a tech review and thought, Ugh, this is just not for me. It's way too nerdy, and it's made by some super fan who just wants to talk about how many pixels there are on the screen, when really all you want to know is, is it any good, and how do you actually use the darn thing? Well, good news, we've just launched Verge Guidebook. It's the next generation of our tech reviews program. With Guidebook, we're going to tell you what to buy, what's not worth your money, and most importantly, how to actually use it. You can head it over to theverge.com slash reviews, and you're going to find our editor's picks, the very best gadgets in every category from smartphones to laptops to crazy stuff like smart light bulbs, and a ton of how-to guides are going to walk you through all of it. That's theverge.com slash reviews. We've got incredibly good videos, some really engaging writing, and of course, those very useful guides. Welcome back to the Limited Upside NBA Preview Podcast Series. I'm Mike Prada, and this is Episode 6, the Orlando Magic. And we have two folks who really know this team well, two folks that know this team a lot better than almost anyone else uh, for a team that really a lot of people don't pay a close amount of attention to, Zach Oliver and Corey Hudson from SB Nation's Orlando Pinstripe Post. And we go deep on some really interesting issues for a team that badly disappointed last year. We talk about Aaron Gordon and Alfred Payton. They both had great second halves, but is it for real this time? We talk about management. We talk about some of the moves they've made. We talk about whether uh, this team actually makes sense now and if they can actually dig themselves out of the huge mistakes they made last summer. Uh, It does seem like the fan base is a little nervous, a little restless, I think was the word Zach used. So we get into all that, and we also talk a little bit about the old magic, some nostalgia here with the Shaq Penny team, with the Dwight teams. So there's a lot of that in there as well. So enjoy this over the next hour. We are the uh, Limited Upside Podcast. We are part of the Vox Media Podcast Network. You can find us on iTunes at with Limited Upside. We really appreciate you leaving a review. Five stars would be terrific. Uh, but also, if you, there's some things you want to fix in this podcast, you want to hear a little bit more of, especially with this team preview series, we're all ears. Let us know either way. Leave us a review. Uh, you can also ask us questions for these podcasts to pass along to our experts by sending questions to the limited under... Oh, I'm sorry. You can also ask us questions to send along to our team experts by tweeting at limited underscore upside with your question. We have all 30 teams on the horizon. We're going to do Minnesota and Sacramento coming up in the next few days. So definitely ask those questions. Uh, you can also email me, Mike Prada at SBNation.com. You can find us on SBNation.com proper. You can find us on Stitcher, Google Play, all the places you get your podcasts. So check us out. But until then, enjoy the Orlando Magic season preview with Zach Oliver and Corey Hudson. This is the Limited Upside Podcast. Welcome back to the next episode of the Limited Upside Preview Series, number 6 of 30. 
the Orlando Magic. Uh, and joining us in this episode, we've got Corey Hudson from Orlando Pinstripe Post and Zach Oliver from Orlando Pinstripe Post. You'll remember them from last year. And friends, uh, we were a little shaky on the Magic last year, and I imagine a little shakier on the Magic this year after the season they had. 29 wins, a uh, lot really disjointed in the first half of the year. Some positive-ish signs at the end. Uh, but yeah, Zach, I'm curious to ask you this first. Um, mood of What's the mood of the Magic fan base in a word right now as we sit on August uh, 10th, heading into next season? Restless, I think. Restless. Um, you know, I think everyone is is ready for them to take that next step and show some some positive signs. I think that the end of the year, you know, gives people a positive thought in the off season, but they still have so many questions to to be answered, and we really don't know if the roster that they have will will work. I think that they made positive additions this off season, but they still brought back a chunk of that roster that just it didn't work two years ago it didn't work last year something's got to give somewhere yeah i might i might throw in uh like confused or or befuddled there's uh, i think a a sense among anybody you talk to that like okay the smart thing would really probably be to just like blow this up this team is not going anywhere uh the absolute uh well yeah I guess you would say they have limited upside. (laughs) (laughs) That was good. I like that Um, you you spent, it took only about three minutes to work in a really good pun. Yeah. Yeah. I'm impressed. You guys have been studying. I'm, Uh, I'm mad online now. I hate puns. (laughs) Um, Anyway, uh, point being, this team probably isn't going anywhere. So if you ask fans, they would probably say like, okay, they should probably blow it up. They should probably try to get something for some of these guys. Start building around, like maybe keep Aaron Gordon, build around Jonathan Isaac and whoever else they get. But then nobody really wants to do that. Nobody is like at the point where they're willing to hit the reset button and do another three, four, five years of rebuilding. They the fans, as much as the franchise, I think really want to see the team get back to the playoffs somehow. It's just so hard to see that path short of a bunch of surprise improvements well the good news is that if the playoffs are the only goal you know it's not a huge bar to climb in this eastern (laughs) conference you know they they could get to eight by just being better than a bunch of other really bad teams uh but the larger question i see is is just like where is this team going and i think one of the things i've thought a lot about with like what happened last summer to a lot of teams is that um it's just like what happened that summer has ripple effects. And if you spent a lot of money in 2016, you're really stuck now because that was the one-year bump and not everybody could possibly win that free agent derby. And the Magic last year were very much the last straw. Uh, they drew the last straw in free agency and they spent a lot of money and now all that money is bad money. And that's really going to hurt them. Like they just don't – they don't really have – when's the next time they have like good cap space? 2030. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, if if they decide right now, let's not re-sign Aaron Gordon and Alfred Payton, and then they start to open up a little bit more. But then at that point, like, what are you even doing with your with your team? Uh, really, big money doesn't start to open up until uh, three years from now when Biombo finally comes off the books, unless they can, you know, use their magic and 
find someone who wants Bismack Biombo. Wait, say say that sentence again. If they can use their magic and their find Orlando somebody magic, who, you mean? Oh, I caught yes. you. See, I thought you, I thought you hated puns. I guess not. I do. Like, don't tell me that was an unintentional pun. I that know was you, an unintentional yeah, pun. Yeah, no way. I don't believe you. That's like the number one. We're Orlando Magic writers. Come on, man. Yeah, that's the number one the, pun. Actually, I'm looking at their their cap right now for the upcoming years. They realistically could have some after next season. Uh, both Nikola Vucevic and Terrence Ross will be up. Will be free agents. So will Shelvin Mack. So that'll shave off about almost forty million. So that that could lead to some cap space, but again, some of that's going to have to be used on Aaron Gordon most likely, and probably even Alfred Payton. Perhaps all of it. Yeah, they're they're in a really tough spot. So the reason, of course, they're in that spot is last summer they were really desperate. I think to make get into the playoffs. Obviously, it's been a long time for them since the Dwight Howard trade, which, by the way, five-year anniversaries today. Did you guys know that? Wow, it's uh, been that long? Yeah. I found that out earlier today. It feels like longer. It's been five long years. That was totally coincidental that we're recording this on the uh, five-year anniversary of the Dwight Howard trade. But, yeah, it's been five years, and, you know, they got a nice package of assets back, but none of those have really turned into, like, the guy. You know, they, they've fallen like a little short in the draft every year. And so last year, they're restless. They want, just like they are this year, as uh, you were saying, Zach, they want to make go somewhere in the playoffs. Scott Skiles leaves abruptly. They replace him with Frank Vogel, which is a pretty good hire, but they still have the same management team. They make a big trade for Serge Ibaka, which really didn't work out. Uh, they then sign Biombo, which really didn't work out, to that $72 million contract. And they're playing their best, their most interesting young prospect out of position, and it just doesn't work at all in the season. And they start to hit the reset button with the Ibaka trade at midseason. Uh, and that's sort of where you start to see maybe, okay, Peyton and Gordon are playing better, and those are kind of your best future. But the other interesting thing about the Magic is that they have new quote-unquote management. I say that because Alex Martins is still there. Uh, the Rich Rich DuBoss, DeVos is still there. But John Hammond's in. Uh, Jeff Weltman's in. Um is that new management, uh, do you guys think, uh, do you trust them? Where's the like trust in the Magic fan base now that those guys can lead the Magic out of the malaise they've been in in f- the last five years and actually turn them into a team that is what they always wanted to be, like kind of this interesting young team with interesting players with some upside? I think there is a, a general sense that they can do that because they've had a very positive offseason, like I mentioned. I mean, they, they spent their little bit of money that they had very well. If you told me four months ago that they were going to sign Jonathan Simmons for three years at eighteen million, then I would Last say you're partially guaranteed. Yeah, I would say sign me up. I would run and take that deal. I, I never thought that that would happen. Uh, the Shelvin Mack deal I thought was very fair. You know, it it kind of leads to what happens with DJ Augustine now, but that's another albatross contract from last off season that's going to be tough to move. So. I think that there's there's hope on the horizon. I, I do think that personally, and this is this isn't a dig at Jonathan Isaac in any way. I just I think that they missed the draft. Really, I think because I think there's a lot of optimism about Isaac. I guess some people are, are you saying they should have taken Smith instead? Yeah, I, I thought that they should have taken Dennis Smith. I thought that he had the the best chance of being that potential star that 
they've so desperately needed for the last five years. And that's that's what they've been trying to find. And you look at the roster now, I, I don't think that they they have that player yet. And that's not saying that Jonathan Isaac couldn't become that player. I, he very well could. I just think that based on what they had said previously and how the roster was constructed with Aaron Gordon in place, I thought that Dennis Smith would have been the better pick and somebody who really could have come in and made an, a real impact right away and really solidified that point guard position. So that's interesting. Uh, that's a question that uh, we got from Jacopo Pellegrinelli, our regular listener. Corey, do you agree that Isaac over Smith maybe was a mistake? I think I personally would have gone Smith as well. Uh, Isaac, for me, uh, at least coming into the draft, if he manifests his full ability, if he reaches his ceiling, then he could be incredible. He's super duper long. He already looks like a a good defender just from summer league, although of course that's summer league. Uh, but he, uh, if his offense comes around, if he develops a three point shot, if he can be a multi-positional player that could play three or five, depending on what you need, uh, if he can do all those things, he'll be amazing. I'm just not so sure he's going to actually get there. I think he'll be solid. I, I also think that his floor is very high. I, I don't think there's a good chance that he's going to just wash out of the NBA. Uh, but I'm not as convinced personally that he's going to reach his all-star potential. Interesting. See, I like Jonathan Isaac. I think he's good. I, I think Isaac has a long way to go still. That's true. Yeah, he does. He's going to have to bulk up a ton to really be able to make an impact in this league. I mean, he's he's long and lanky. So, you know, he has the body type that, that could add the weight or he could fizzle out. I think that that's, that's kind of the one of the bigger issues that I see here and the fit with, with Gordon, just, I, I don't see it right now. Okay. So yeah, when we posed that question on Twitter, actually, uh, you know, how, how is Jonathan Isaac going to fit with Gordon? It was hilarious because, uh, some people just said like, Oh, he'll just play backup four. But then some people were like, Oh no, it's fine. He'll be the three. And then the other half of the people were like, Oh no, it's fine. He'll be the five. Uh, it, like nobody can even agree on where he should play if he's next to Aaron Gordon, which I don't know, maybe that's a good thing, but uh, I, I agree with Zach. It's not totally clear to me how that's going to work out. I will say though that uh, uh, I am more impressed with him since uh, summer league. Summer league. I, I did like a lot of what he did there as, far and, as uh, especially his defense, the ability to switch onto guards and stay in front of them. He, he, uh, Stuck with uh, one play that sticks out in my mind is he switched onto a point guard, rode him all the way around the arc, and then blocked his jump shot. Uh, it was really nice coming from a a forward switching onto him in that situation. Yeah, and you know you touched on it. I think that that his floor is is maybe a little bit higher than Dennis Smith's, is. and you know it might just take him longer to get there. Right. You know maybe maybe Dennis Smith is at his floor now and then it's it's only going up and if you get Dennis Smith at his floor currently I mean that's not bad I mean Pat, again it, it's summer league but he had a really strong summer league showing for the Mavs in Vegas sure did of course that's the kind of player that always plays well in summer league I think it sounds a little bit to me like there's some like ghosts of uh 
magic years past with this Gordon Isaac thing where it's like, guys, we know Aaron Gordon is a four and yet you guys never play him at the four. And now you just drafted a four. Like, can't we just have Aaron Gordon play the four at the same time? The reason I think this is a really interesting question, the Smith or Isaac is that you're basically, if you draft Smith, now you're putting your other interesting young player who surged in the second half of the year, kind of in the back burner. And that's Peyton. Mm -hmm. And so you're kind of, it's really interesting to think about the future of the Mav, the Magic, because in the second half of the year, really quietly, Peyton and Gordon were both great. After they made the Ibaka trades, it seemed like they started to settle into like how you want them to play. Peyton was attacking the basket really well. He had a couple triple doubles, didn't he? You know, down the stretch uh, I think, of the, I think three throughout March. Three in March, and then Gordon, they were playing more at the four. His efficiency really went up. He wasn't stuck on the perimeter as often, and I thought he played really well. But you're automatically, if you make, because those were the two guys I think they kind of needed to pick. I don't think really they had a lot of other options, because, look, Laurie Markkinen's the same problem. Neil Aquina, Neil same problem. At Donovan Mitchell, same problem. You're basically saying one of these two players, Gordon or Peyton, is now going to really be challenged by a young asset. And we're who we draft almost says more about what we think about Peyton and, and Gordon than it does about Isaac and Smith. And the fact that they drafted Isaac, I think, says a lot about, you know, they're still not really sure what they have in Aaron Gordon, whereas at least Peyton, it seems like there's a little more confidence. All they did was bring in another backup. You know, they, it's still his team. Is that a fair read of the situation? Hmm. I don't think I would say that drafting Isaac is an indictment on Gordon. I think uh, in this case, I would actually say it the other way around that, you know, drafting Isaac is more about what Isaac can do. Uh, okay. It's right up right in the wheelhouse of uh, what Weltman and Hammond are all about. You know, long, versatile players with with lots of upside. You know, if, if things work out with them, then maybe he can play alongside Gordon. So I wouldn't be too concerned about that if they had drafted smith i would have definitely said that that was an indictment on peyton though yeah i would agree with that i'm i'm looking at elford's numbers from last year he had five triple doubles in the last month and a half you know i mean he was close to having 10 yeah. really when, when you look at it i mean he was he was good and i think that the big thing was that the Serge Ibaka trade and the acquisition of Terrence ross really opened up the space for him and it gave him the lanes to to drive to the basket and they got out in transition more and he just he looked a lot more comfortable you know it's very possible that that this is what they turn into now but i also worry a little bit that there could be times where they relegate back to what they were last year at the beginning of the year especially if they try to play gordon and isaac together because i don't think either one of them are a consistent enough shooter yet it's not saying that one of them couldn't become it, but that's kind of the slippery slope that they're they're facing, I think. Right. So which of the two late season performances do you think inspire more confidence in you, Peyton's or Gordon's? I think it's Aaron Gordon's. I would he, agree. He, he was he was really good. And and I think that a lot of that comes from playing his natural position. But at the same time, you know, he showed flashes, you know, every maybe once a month last year when he was playing the three that that he could do it. And then he really took that next step once he was back playing the four. And we saw this from Alfred a couple of years ago. You know, he he put up a lot of, of big games late in the season when the Magic really had nothing to play for. Okay. 
I would have said Peyton, so I'm, I'm interested that it's Gordon. Do you agree, Corey? I think both have some merit to them. I, I, I think both are real to some extent. I buy Gordon's a little bit more just because of the whole positional thing. Um, but I, I really was impressed with Peyton. And with Alfred Peyton, uh, the Magic's fortunes depended on him more than anyone else throughout last season. Like, if he played really, really well, that mattered more than than any other player, him and Gordon, really, together. Um, if the two of them had great games, then the Magic won that game. That's all there was to it. And if they didn't, then they didn't win. Um, uh, with the whole uh, Gordon power forward thing, a lot of people uh, outside the team, you know, uh, observers from around the rest of the league all said the same thing, you know, Gordon needs to play power forward. And that was true. It was especially frustrating watching them all the time, though, because it was like they actively avoided doing it until they traded Ibaka. Like there was a time during, I I, I don't know. I don't know. I wish I could tell you, but there there was like a a time during December when Vucevic was hurt. And a lot of us assumed like, Oh, okay, well uh, Ibaka will slide up to the five and Gordon (sighs) will get a little bit of run at the four and we'll, we'll get to see kind of what this looks like. And instead, they move Biombo into the starting lineup. They would stagger Biombo and Ibaka's minutes. Uh, one of them was always on the court. And then if both weren't on the court, they would put Jeff Green out there instead of Aaron Gordon. Uh, or they, you know, it, it, Gordon wouldn't play unless Green was also on the court. Things like that. Like they, they were trying very, very hard not to play him at power forward. And it was, it was maddening. And it, then you, once, once they really actually did it, it was like, oh. This this actually works really well. Who would have thought? Yeah, I feel like we're repeating ourselves. We were saying the same stuff last year. It's like, oh, hey, it's second half of the year. You look great playing power forward. And nope, let's not do that anymore. Uh, weird. I hope that answers uh, Irv Drizzle's question who asks. Uh, you can always send us questions at limited underscore upside on Twitter or just hit me up. Um, he asks, you know, is this the year Aaron Gordon finally plays the four or is he going to be a three again? It sounds like. Probably more at the four, unless Isaac is really awesome right away. Is that a fair read? Yeah, yeah, I think I so. think they've learned their lesson there. Yeah, and then the other question I want to get to, which we kind of answered, is Option Zero, who sent us a bunch, and he asks, you know, are we sure Frank Vogel was a good head coach? You know, why did he continue to play big, even though he had you know multi-year deal protection? Like, you know, is he finally going to be open to playing small this year? What do you guys think? I think so. I think that the the second half of the year is really going to kind of jar him into playing smaller again. And I I think that the Vogel understands that this is the direction that the league's going. I mean, it's, it's all about positional versatility. And I think that, again, that's one of the big reasons that they picked Isaac also is because he can play potentially three positions once he, once he maxes out. Right. So, um, and one more thing on, on Aaron Gordon, the final 24 games last season, 16.5 16.5 points per game, 50% shooting, 6.2 rebounds, two assists. He was really good. I think he scored in double digits all but three of the final 24 games. No, I mean, he was they were, He was great. Payton was great. I feel like we see this a lot from Orlando. It's like, oh, yeah, they look yeah. kind of interesting at the end of the season, so I'll believe it when I see it. But this is intriguing. Um, we'll get back to Payton, Gordon, and Isaac real quick. I just This is a question I want to ask Corey uh, because you know a lot of people really didn't pay attention to the Magic down the stretch last year. Besides the way Gordon and Payton played, is there anything else that happened late in the year that maybe we're not – the folks that were more national folks didn't really pay attention to that you think are 
important developments, positive or negative, to the team this year? One thing I would definitely point out, and this isn't a good thing, this is actually something bad with the team, but it says something good about them moving forward, mm-hmm. is that the the bench was incredibly bad, especially at the end of the season, really throughout the whole the whole year, but uh, really down the stretch was when it really stood out. You know, the the starting unit uh, that had Peyton, Ross after they traded for him, Fournier and Gordon, and then either Vucevic or Biombo, both of those lineups were actually good. They they played winning basketball. They were both plus one point four net rating, uh, and those two lineups together played, you know, like five hundred some odd minutes uh, after the All Star break. About you know, a little less than half of all the minutes that the team played in those 24 games. And they were still, as a as a whole team, like negative 7.8, which is really hard to do when half <laughs> the time your starters are plus 1.4. Yeah, it's it hard. Was, it was stunning how bad some of those bench groups were. The, the absolute worst one was the, uh, the full bench mob with C.J. Watson, D.J. Augustine, Jeff Green, Mario Hazonia and Bismack Biombo. That group was negative twenty seven point two net rating per one hundred possessions down the stretch of the season. It just astronomically bad. So I think what I would point out that a lot of people probably didn't pay attention to is that just by virtue of replacing those players with average bench players, you know, getting in Shelvin Mack and Jonathan Simmons and Aaron Oflalo and Maurice Spates and heck even maybe uh Maybe Jonathan Isaac will be able to do a little bit of something. Just if they have a merely mediocre bench, it will do uh, a ton for the team. And I think it'll also help us understand a little bit more how good Peyton and Gordon actually are once they can play with teammates who who maybe uh, don't just drag them down. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, All right, circling back to Gordon, Isaac, and uh, Peyton, you guys are all familiar with the the game Do Mary Kill, right? Mm Mm-hmm. All right, we have an NBA version we've adopted for a couple of these podcasts that I want to ask you. It's max play trade. So basically, like, you have to pick one player that you're going to max from from those three. You have to play one player that's like, okay, we're going to just kind of hold it steady with him and, you know, give him some more minutes, maybe see what he's got. And then one player you're going to get a giveaway. Which which of those three max maxed hold trade, Alfred Payton, Aaron Gordon, Jonathan Isaac? Oh, I'm guessing that the two of us probably agree on Max, right? I'm thinking we're both going to say Gordon there. Yeah, I, I think it's too hard to to really say that you can Max Isaac without seeing him actually playing an NBA game. Okay. Um, I, I think that I think that he's a player that you hold, and I think that you trade Peyton. That's like, really hard for me. Yeah, even though you have no point guards. <laughs> That's 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 tough. Like I, I was debating this before the podcast started. I was debating it last night. I kept going back and forth. Maybe I trade Isaac because the return that you could get it could be very fruitful. I think that he is the type of player that somebody could, for lack of a better term, give up the farm for. You know, especially if he were to come out and have a really strong start to his rookie year. Does, I, I really, really, really like Alfred Payton, actually, probably more than I should, objectively. I like Alfred Payton. Yeah, he does some really cool stuff on the court. Yeah, I feel like I'm one of the last people on Alfred Payton Island. Like, I, it's Point guards take a while, like especially ones that have been mm-hmm. around the magic circle of misery. You know, sorry, Magic fans, but it's true. Like, 
you know, he's only in his fourth year, and I don't know. Just I think point guards peak later nowadays because of the way the game is played. Like I think you peak around 28, 29, 30 if you're a point guard now, as opposed to other positions where you peak a lot earlier. And and he's gotten better every season. You know, this last season he had a stretch. I think it was in December when the Magic randomly started scoring like 120 points a game for no reason, where he uh he like set a career high three times that month in scoring. Yeah. He has these games where he just goes off where he can get into the paint and he does whatever he wants and nobody can stop him from finishing there. Uh, uh, where he, he manages to make things happen even though he can't shoot. That But that can't shoot part is is a it's big, big deal. That, that, yeah. That's the, I mean, the that's a one problem. thing holding him back. And, well, not the one I, thing. His defense is actually not as good as people think. You know, he, he was kind of projected as somebody who could be a good defender coming out of college, but he hasn't really shown it yet. And I, I also think that the consistency with the effort hasn't always been there with, with Alfred. I think that we see him have those those big games, and then the next night or the next time that they they lace him up, he, he comes out and lays an egg. I, I just You need to see more consistency with him, which is, I think— Part of the reason why I, I really consider trading him, it's it's tough. It, it, right. it really is tough. You know what? I think I, I think I say play Peyton trade Isaac. That's that's what okay. I'll go with. I'm curious what uh, other Magic fans think to this question. Obviously, the, I think a lot of them would disagree with us. Yeah, I feel like the ideal obviously is like yeah, let's max all of them, but you know, making you choose. And so, I think that there is, there could be a point made to trading Aaron Gordon. I, I, I don't do it, but I think that people would consider it because you know what he is a little bit more right now. And I think that that's... Well, do you? I feel like I have no idea what he is. But no, through no fault of his own, but just through the mess of the magic, I just have no idea. Like, I feel like he's still... It's three years in the league, and I still feel like I have no idea what he's going to be in in five years. Like, is he going to be a really good player? Or is he going to kind of be nowhere? I... I Maybe you guys have a better sense, but I'm just like, what is Aaron Gordon? It's a question I've asked every single year for the last three years. Yeah, I think that's fair too. But you you see what he can do, right? Um, and I think that that would potentially be more inviting for a team to make a trade for him. That's true. I mean, you know, he still is only is he even 22 yet? I believe he turns 22 next month. It's amazing how young he is. Uh, well, I'm really curious to see how Magic fans answer that question. Uh, we're going to take a little quick break for our sponsor, and then we're going to get into way less serious questions here on the Limited Upside podcast. If you're like me, you know you have to shave, but you don't like doing it. The razors are expensive, the gel is expensive, you have to kind of switch them out a lot, and you cut yourself while shaving, you've got to use all this product in order to have your skin moisturized. It's just not a very fun experience, and it never was a fun experience for me, and I really didn't want a beard. That changed when the Dollar Shave Club came to my inbox. Dollar Shave Club is the smarter choice. It's got this great Dr. Carver shave butter. It feels really smooth coming off your skin. 
it actually makes the act of shaving fun and I love that and it's also a great deal you can get a great shave at a great price conveniently delivered right to your door they send it to you in the mail you don't have to go to the store you don't have to get either a really expensive razor or a cheap disposable razor that gets a crappy shave you don't have to do any of that it comes right to your door it's a great life hack and a great no-brainer choice and it's got this amazing butter that feels so good on your skin it almost doesn't look like shaving cream it's nice and clear and it just doesn't feel like shaving cream and you don't have to get all those other products in order to have your face properly moisturized it's a terrific deal you get all the stuff you need in shaving in one with the dollar shave club and now lucky you for a limited time new members get their first month of the executive razor with a tube of their dr carver shave butter for only five dollars a month with free shipping and after that Razors are just a few bucks a month and you can quit at any time if you don't like it. That's a $15 value for only five bucks. And in that first month's box, you get an awesome weighty handle, a focus set of four cartridges, and a tube of the shave butter, all for just five bucks. And after the first month, these replacement cartridges ship automatically at the regular price. No hidden fees, no commitments, cancel anytime you like. But you can only get this offer exclusively through the Limited Upside podcast. Go to dollarshaveclub.com slash upside in order to take advantage. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash upside. Dollar Shave Club, the smarter, more convenient, and more comfortable way to get a close shave. And we're back with the uh, Orlando Magic preview, number 6 of 30 in the Limited Upside preview series with uh, Zach Oliver and Corey Hudson from Orlando Pinstripe Post, SB Nation's Magic blog. I think we've talked enough about the this year's Magic. So let's get into some other questions. Orlando's had a very interesting history, as you all know. And I want to get into some of this stuff because to get into the psychology of fan of, of what Magic fans kind of think of, what's in their head as they think about this year's team. Here's the first basic question I want to ask you guys. Would you rather have seen Shaq or Dwight win a title in Orlando? This is an easy question for me, so I'll, I'll go first. Oh, yeah? Uh, Dwight, okay. Yeah, Dwight for sure. And that's because uh, – the, the Dwight Howard, Stan Van Gundy magic teams are are literally what made me a fan of basketball. I actually really didn't like basketball at all before the magic got good. And then when they started doing some interesting stuff, I you know started reading the newspaper columns and started following a little bit more and seeing like, okay, why are, why are they good? And then I learned about how the whole one in four out thing worked and shooting three pointers and getting close shots and all that just, it just clicked like, Oh, okay. You're, you're leveraging your really good player to get shots from the best parts of the court. You know, extremely high efficiency looks, uh, and you score a whole bunch of points that way. And oh, by the way, your best player is an amazing defender too. You know, that just made sense. And then from then on, I was I was hooked. So uh, I, I always have a soft spot for that that team. Uh, I think that the 2010 magic were the best team in franchise history, even though that's not the one that got to the finals. Yeah. That's what a lot uh, of people say. You know, that was, yeah, a they, lost I, I to Boston. they lost to Boston, right? They sort of, uh, yeah. struggled. In Vince the game Carter the free throws. Yeah. Yeah. So, so anyway, yeah, that, that I would have, uh, liked to see Dwight win a title. I, I don't have the same attachment to the, to the nineties magic that a lot of, uh, older fans do. What about you, Zach? 
this is tough because I'm not old enough to remember the Shaq and Penny magic. And I, and, you know, I really grew up and I was really invested in the Dwight magic. I think I'd probably go with the, with the Dwight teams because I think that that would have changed the course of magic history a lot more. I think that we wouldn't be having some of the conversations that we are now. If they had won a title with Dwight, I think Dwight probably stays and is a little bit happier. And who knows? You know, he probably still has the issues with the back and the shoulder and, and the knee issues. But a Dwight could still potentially draw somebody else in that would, you know, be able to make a difference and be a second star with him. And you know, even though it, even if they had to retool, they would still have that that building block. And I, I agree with Corey. I think that that 2010 team was the best team in, in Magic history. Um, it it still pains me a little bit that they that they weren't able to beat Boston. So I'm of two minds of this because I mean we were talking a little bit about because again it serendipitously this is the five year anniversary of the Dwight Howard trade out of Orlando. And that we're recording this on Thursday, August 10th. Uh, you probably won't hear it for a little bit uh, until Friday. But serendipitously, we're recording this. And we were kind of thinking about a little bit like, okay, wh- well, how do we commemorate this moment? And one thing that sort of was thrown out there was that Dwight, the Magic were a really good team with one kind of solar guy and star in the solar system. And it kind of only worked because there was that one star. I guess Vince Carter was sort of a second star, but I think he was on the downside of his career. You know, Uh this idea of Dwight maybe recruiting someone else, like he wanted that, but I almost think that there's some lore to those magic teams because they did kind of make it work with like one star and a bunch of spare parts that really just worked together in synergy. That and those teams changed the NBA. Yeah. I, do, do we really see the the impetus on the three-point shooting that we do now, if not for Sam Van Gundy and Dwight and those Magic teams? Well, I think it was them and Phoenix. I think there were yeah. sort of two separate little prongs of the – I guess Phoenix was the one that was talking most first about like playing fast and loose. And I think Orlando there was, was the start of the four-out craze, which, by the way, happened by accident. right? Like they were right. not going to start – four out until Tony Petit got injured, which is one of my favorite things about that magic team is that it was Van Gundy came up with that concept totally by accident. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and Rashad Lewis was really, uh, you know, like you said, by accident, but he, I think he's the, the mold for the modern stretch four, really like that, like the ideal, you know, versatile wing guy who, who's like long. So he can defend perimeter players if he has to, but then he can, uh, stretch it out behind the three-point arc from a big man position, which uh, makes it hard for teams who just can't cover that. And now at the same time, those Shaq Penny teens were like a cultural phenomenon yeah. in the 90s. And I grew I was about eight, nine, ten when those teens were kind of at prominence. And obviously I was a huge Washington Bullets fan from day one. But like my the the gear I had the most of, the you know team I made sure to watch that wasn't my own the most, the, the you know the cards I liked the most that I collected, like they were all those Orlando Magic teams. Like that team was cool, you know, with Shaq and Penny and the way they surrounded. So I think it would have been really interesting to see. And then you also consider the ripple effects of Shaq going to L.A., you know, which I think unlike when you know when Dwight went to L.A., that fell apart and Dwight's career fell off. Like Shaq. It was went the opposite way. 
I think it would have been Jack really Yeah, I think it would have been really interesting to see what would have happened if that magic team broke through. I think they would have been you know, now it's like we're I'm almost thinking like the next forty for they just had the forty for forty on the magic the nineties magic, didn't they? That was last year. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the thirty for thirty. And I wouldn't say it was like the most amazing 30 for 30, but I loved it because I just love those magic teams growing up. And I know you guys maybe are a little young to appreciate them, but like I would have said Shaq, I would have loved to have seen that team prosper. Now, another way to phrase this question is which team do you think was closer to winning it all? Uh, probably the 95 team because yeah. of because of having the two stars. And they were playing a team that they should have been. Like the Rockets were limping there and they just like – veteran their way to the sleep it was amazing yeah the magic have the last couple of years they've been bringing players back you know they had their 25th anniversary so they were bringing players back and honoring them and then they started their team centric hall of fame and they've brought some players back from those teams and pretty much every single one of them has said we should have beat them they they know it and i i do agree with you mike that it would have been very cool to to see that 95 team win. And I do kind of wonder also kind of in the same realm that I wondered with the, with Dwight, what kind of impact that has on, on magic history. Oh yeah. Because if, if you win a title with Shaq, does Shaq leave for LA? Maybe he still does because I think a lot of that was also was money, money and opportunities culturally. Uh, But yeah, I mean, if they win a title, I mean, do Shaq and Penny get along? And a lot better than they did. Now they haven't retired Dwight or Shaq's number yet, right? Is that that's still a holdup, uh, or they get to Shaq already? I forget. Uh, so they they don't uh, do number retirement. They okay. do their their Magic Hall of Fame. Okay, deal. Magic Hall of Fame. Uh, yeah, and and Shaq is in that Magic Hall of Fame, right? That's yeah. right. He yeah yeah Shaq Shaq was I believe the third inductee after um, Nick Anderson and Rich No and uh, who was it? Nick Anderson and Pat Williams, I believe, was the first year. Okay. And then they did Shaq the second year. That's right. Um, he did have that whole serve. That was, was that last year or the year before? Uh, the year before. Okay. Uh, my, my understanding from, from talking to people within the organization is that the DeVos family has a very kind of strict set of guidelines for um, what – deserves a jersey retirement hmm. and i think the biggest thing that i from my understanding is winning of a title but they don't have any i don't understand right <laughs> and I, I don't think that that's completely fair i, I, I think that, that that shaq's number should be retired i think the penny's number should be retired I mean, oh i penny, see what you're saying they don't have any jersey retirements because they have no titles oh, okay right. i see that that's one of their their criteria that they have um for deciding if, the, if a player deserves his jersey retired, because I would have Shaq's number retired, I would have Penny's number retired, and Dwight's number would be retired once he's done. Yeah. I mean, only one team wins a title every year, and yet there are fans of all 30 teams. How do you think they became fans? It's not because they like Rich DeVos. You know? No. <laughs> like, so I don't really understand that either. It's bizarre. The, the only number that they have retired is six, which is for the fans. Oh, like which, six man. Yeah, which is stuff. really cheesy. But. <laughs> yeah, that's really cheesy. Um, ben asked, Ben was wanted me to pass this question along because we're thinking a little bit about past Magic teams. Like, 
if you had to construct the perfect sort of NBA jam team for the Magic where it's like, okay, you have two starters, a combination of starters, like who's your first two? Who's your like kind of three backup lineups uh, duos? Because you have four players and you can play, if my math is right, you can play four different combinations or is it three different? Well, you know what I mean. Like what's sort of the what's sort of the ideal? What are some of like let's say three ideal two on two combinations to play with an NBA Jam with just using Pat present and future or current uh, Magic players? Uh, Penny's, uh, all right. Penny's on every team for me. Penny, because you do want to guard in a big like you want like you don't want to play Shaq and Dwight together. I think that one of my teams is is Penny and Rashard Lewis. Really interesting. Yeah, that's not what I would. So no Shaq or Dwight. I think that Penny and Richard, the the combination of Penny's creativity and then Richard's shooting, and both of them are are big. I mean, Penny's six seven, Richard's six ten. So you have you have the link there. You don't have the traditional big, but I feel like that could cause a little bit more problems for a team that might be playing with a true guard and a true big. An NBA Jam, you mean? Yeah. So you'd want two guys who can stroke threes because, like, my strategy mm-hmm. in NBA Jam is just run to the corner and just, like, shoot as many threes as I can because they're worth more and they always go in. Mm-hmm. Do you, Corey, what do you think? All right, well, I'll, I'll throw out the obvious ones. Uh, Shaq Penny, I think, is is yeah. probably at the top for most people. I will uh, – I'll throw out uh, Jameer Dwight as a combo because I'll, I'll cape for Jameer Nelson for yeah. my, the rest of my life. Uh, that dude uh, – that dude was great. He was a, a a great guy in general, but especially during his uh, his All Star season, that was that was a well deserved All Star bid. He didn't ride uh, Dwight's coattails to that nomination or anything mm-hmm. like that. He was he was really really good that season. And it's a shame that he got hurt. That's another another of, of many Orlando Magic what ifs. You know, what if Jameer Nelson never gets hurt that season? Do they do they win the title? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I would I would throw. Jameer Dwight out there. I think that's a good one. I, I actually have one from those teams. Uh, Hito Turklu and Dwight. Interesting. Mm. I like the idea of Hito. Here's on my team. question: If you're if you're taking like three point shooting, like why not Hito Richard? You kind of have the length thing. You have the shooting, don't you? I like the idea just because it's it's interesting. You know, it, that was a <laughs> yeah. No, it, that that's an iconic part of the of why that magic team was so good that front court you know hito playing the like point forward, point forward sort of position and and richard being the stretch four that was a uh you know it, the focus was rightly so on on dwight and how he uh had so much gravity uh in the middle of the court but the magic really worked because everybody else surrounding him uh had their own special skills that really made the team run yeah well, let's let's think more about history. I love this question we've been asking everybody. Uh, which three Magic players from their entire history would you want on your banana boat? For, so basically, like the three people you want a vacation with, and like the you would have in that iconic photo with you in the front, you know, and those three kind of behind you, like the LeBron, Chris Paul, Carmelo, Dwayne Wade picture. Uh, who are your three banana boat partners? I think two of these are very easy, and the third one I'm I'm having I'm struggling a little more with. My my obvious two are Shaq and Hito. Okay. So I'm taking Hito. Okay. Because, I mean, Hito is just fun, and 
Um, if you're at all familiar with the Orlando Summer League, before NBA TV started uh, covering it, they used to just stream the games on OrlandoMagic.com. And Dante and... Uh, who's Dante for those who don't Dante know? Dante Marcatelli, who is the Magic's uh, sideline reporter. Okay. And then George Vellante, who is part of their uh, PR team. They formed the greatest duo in television history and <laughs> they would cover the games and they started a game called what did Hito say <laughs> and they would they would play clips of Hito saying something absolutely ridiculous and you know his teammates would try to figure out what what is Hito saying and none of them could figure it out and it was it was fantastic it's like it's like that Pearl Jim song that has no words Yep. So I, I would definitely want Hito. This one, I think I would want Jameer Nelson. Okay. Because um, when I started covering the team, Jameer was was still on his way out, and he was one of the best in the locker room. I mean, he had so much fun with everybody, and you know, he was really nice. He would he would join the media scrums and kind of, of rib his teammates and mm-hmm. and yell things when we're interviewing them. So Jameer's just a ton of fun also. And then ooh. The third one. So no Shaq for you. No Shaq for me. And no Dwight Howard for you. No. I'm gonna take Victor Oladipo. Oh. I, I was that's a bit about of a curveball. Him. Why Victor Oladipo? The along the same lines uh, as Jameer, Victor was always a ton of fun in the locker room. He would, I mean, he would carry his his speaker into the showers with him and come out blasting Adele and singing. I mean, Victor, where did he put the speaker? I guess you wouldn't know. You didn't go in with him, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 like, I don't, I don't understand. Like, do, would he put it like he wouldn't take it into the shower? Shower it would get wet. Well, I, I imagine that he had a waterproof. Oh like, yeah, okay. Waterproof pair of speakers. <laughs> okay. Um, but Victor was was always fun and. You know, I, I feel like he would be a guy that would would keep the the situation lively all the time. Mm-hmm. So I'm taking I'm taking Hito Jameer and and Victor Oladipo. And he'd probably bring the speaker on the boat. You know, so you yep. definitely have a soundtrack to sail into the Atlantic. Uh, no Dennis Scott, no uh, Daryl Armstrong is one person I thought of that you guys might say. Uh, Daryl would be Daryl would be a really interesting one. De- I think Dennis Scott would be too. Honestly, I had the chance to to talk with him back in March, I believe. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you know, March he, or he, April, something like that. He was, a, he was a really good interview. Mike Miller. Yeah. I'm just trying to think of people from, Oh, Bo outlaw. <laughs> what about Bo outlaw? Bo, oh, Bo, Bo would be up there too. Yeah. Bo's, Bo's still around. He's the Mac, one of the magic's community ambassadors. Yeah. He's a trip, isn't he? Uh, he's yeah. fun. You have to think about the combination of three as well. So that's why I'm curious right. to hear what other Magic fans would say. They've had a lot of interesting characters. Yeah, I, I was thinking the exact same thing. I, you can't have Dwight and Shaq both right. on there. I agree. Definitely. Also, the, the boat would capsize. There's a lot of weight. But yes, that too. <laughs> because of personality, you can't have him on there. Oh, this is interesting. I'm curious what other people would say. Uh, let's circle back to this year's team. Just a couple quick hitter questions. Um, we got this from uh, Andrew Johnson at Counting Baskets. Um one name we haven't mentioned on this podcast at all is Mario Hizonia. Like, he yeah, asks, I was like, waiting for his name to come up. I he just asked like, would trading Hizonia now be selling low? But like, I just my 
question is like, what is going on with him? Like, is he, is, is he like, are we done with declaring him like a part of this future? Like, what's this deal with him playing power forward? That doesn't make any sense to me. Like, what's going on there? When he played power forward, that was the only time that he was really a, even had like hints of being an NBA player. That's probably not what they had in mind when they drafted him number five. Yeah. It it actually, despite sounding completely ridiculous, sort of kind of worked relative to standard Mario Hazonia expectations, which is to say that it still didn't really work, but it was better. (laughs) Which isn't saying much because, honestly, it, it was hard for him to be a lot worse. And right. <laughs> I don't I, I just I don't think that he has any value right now. Interesting. So his his game just hasn't developed. Yeah, it he just, doesn't have any NBA skills. His, yeah, his one not, NBA skill is supposed to be shooting. Anything. And right. he, 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 I shoot better than him and I can't shoot anymore. Anymore. When did I, hey, I was I was JJ Redick of pickup games when I was younger. Okay. All right, all right. I didn't mean to didn't mean to doubt you. Um, well, it is interesting that we just had um, our expansion theme day on SB Nation, uh, where everybody each site left protected eight players, uh, and Zach made some interesting choices. Obviously, he left Evan Fournier unprotected. Uh, that's a whole separate conversation. But Hazonia was actually picked by one of our two teams uh, that was drafting. I forget which one, uh, whether it was Seattle. Uh, Seattle. Seattle, Seattle picked, picked him. him. So there's still some intrigue there, obviously, among fans. It's just, I mean, at this point, I think it's sort of, if there's anything from him, it's kind of a bonus, right? Yeah, I, I think that if you... If you get something from him, it's better than nothing. But I just yeah. To to wrap it back around to the to the trade question, I think if the Magic traded him right now, I would be I would be surprised if they got more than like a second rounder for him. I mean, I don't know if they get anything. I mean, that, that feels like a, like hey, let's clear out some money. I, I feel like he's a throw in in a deal. Yeah. Yeah, that feels like uh, let's pay some cash to cover a salary and like get him off our books and get a trade exception kind of deal. I mean, that's crazy for the number five pick from just two years ago. Uh, here's another question I want to ask. This is a quick hitter for both of you. Um, I think it's germane to the magic. Like, if you're if a fan comes to you and says, "I have enough money to get one jersey from one current player on the team," and you can have it whatever reasons you want to answer this, like who do you think that who would you tell them to get? Aaron Gordon, probably. It would be Gordon. Yeah. Okay. He has, he has super cool dunks and stuff. You can't go yeah, wrong. Yeah, I, that. I guess that's true. There is a dunk contest thing. And I'm I'm looking at the the uh, mock draft that Sonic Rising did yesterday. Mm-hmm. The reason for why they picked Mario Hazonia. We made this pick for no other reason than he's Dante's boy. To that's it. Dante, who? Uh, I'm assuming that it's somebody that rights first oh, okay that might explain it well either way they still he is still someone's boy so obviously like there's a little bit of intrigue um i just thought that was interesting that you know and by the way of course fournier got selected uh by the the other team because you know well that's a whole separate topic i'm very curious i thought your rationale for leaving him unprotected was interesting um but we don't have to get into that here um all right so it's time to put our money where our mouth is um Let's how many what's the best case scenario reasonably for how this year goes? So here's the I did this last year, so I'll do this again, even though this led me foolishly to declaring the Magic would win 40 games last season. That did not work out. But (laughs) all right, here's the 
here's the optimist case for the Orlando Magic. Good. Uh, Let's one, have it. like I talked about, yeah, like I talked about before, the bench should be way, way better. Even if they're merely average, that's a huge improvement on what they got last season. Mm-hmm. Two, this is the first time in a very long time that they'll have had the same coach going from one season in to the next one like Aaron Gordon Alfred Payton Evan Fournier none of them have had the same coach two seasons in a row their whole career that's amazing (laughs) so I think there's value in that consistency that literally none of those guys have had before uh Vucevic is not much better in that his only repeat coach was Jacques Vaughn uh right so I think that's a huge deal I think uh the Magic have figured out that Gordon should be playing power forward and I think they'll stick with that this time around. Uh, I like what we saw from Alfred Payton. You know, we talked about this before. I, I think I buy it a little bit that he he could actually be a starting caliber point guard. Uh, you know, maybe maybe like not not better than top twenty or something like that as far as point guards, but you know, good enough to be your starter. So for all those reasons, you might look at the Magic and say like, okay. They're going to be – they can't be worse than last year. They're they're definitely going to improve. And in a weak Eastern Conference, maybe they can sneak into the playoffs with 37, 38 wins, something like that. That That is the best-case scenario for the Magic, I think. Okay. I'm not going to ask you about the worst-case scenario because I think it's too depressing. <laughs> yeah, wor- worst case would be, last would be season. very dark. Probably worse than last season. Yeah. Uh, best case, I, th- I think that we – I kind of agree with Corey. I think that the bench is going to be considerably better. Um, I think they upgraded pretty much across the board. And, you know, I think that even though it's possible he doesn't get a ton of playing time, I think Murray Spates will have a, a bigger impact than I think a lot of people are believing right now. Because hometown kid, right? Hometown kid. Yeah. And he, he, he spoke glowingly of, of the opportunity to come back and play for his hometown team. Mm-hmm. That and he really brings forth a skill set that this team needs. I mean, they are still strapped for shooting. That's that's the issue. I think that they they did answer that call a little bit with with the spade signing, with the Aflalo signing, if he can kind of get it get it back to where he was. So I think that they they made the right moves that the the bench is going to be better. Aaron Gordon at the four is going to be good if with more space, I think Alfred Payton is going to have a much better season. And and having the same coach for more than one year, I mean, it's a huge benefit. That's that's crazy. It, it nobody on this team has had the same coach for more than one season, except for that's amazing Nikola Vucevic, who had Jock Vaughn for a couple of years, and we know how that turned out. Yeah, I mean, that speaks to, I think about this with Orlando a lot, and someone, I forget who asked this question for us, and we talked a little bit about it before, but it's like, yeah, they've got new management, but it's it's kind of like the Knicks, right? It's still Alex Martins and Rich DeVos, and until I can see an extended period of time where they'll just like kind of let the basketball people do their jobs, you know, just look at that instability, and you know, until I see that, I'm not jumping all the way in. Uh, what's who do you guys think is like? If you had to pick an eight-man rotation for this team, like who are the starters and who are the three big guys off the bench who play the most minutes? So my starters are Peyton, Fournier, Ross, Gordon, and Vucevic. Agreed. My bench. I have to just take three. 
Uh, Shelvin Mack. Jonathan Simmons. Mm. It's like basically Isaac Biombo or Spades. I think I take Spades because of... I, I think his impact will be a little bit more profound when he does play. Right. Just because of the shooting. And, you know, he can play a little bit of four if you need him to. I mean, you could go a, a bigger lineup with with him and Vucevic, or you could play slightly smaller with him and Gordon. So I, I think that, that that gives them a little bit more versatility than Biombo does. I and, would probably go Biombo instead of Spates. Uh, I'm, I'm not expecting incredible things from Bismack by any means, but uh, I'm sort of expecting a, a bounce-back season. I can't see it being worse than last year. Do we think Simmons Simmons maybe starts over Ross or Fournier, or is there, what are the chances of that happening? I think there's a slight chance that it could happen. Um, I could see it happening if they struggle more than Vogel would like. He, he yeah. has not been afraid to tinker with the lineup and move people in and out of the, right. the starting five. Because Ross and Fournier as a wing combination is a little bit of a mess defensively. And so you might have more balance if Simmons is in the starting lineup, but then you don't have the shooting. So that's the thing with this magic team. It's like you have a trade off there. Um, all right. How many wins? 37. 37. Okay. All right. Uh, I think it's because of how weak the Eastern conference is. Okay. I'll, I said 40 last season. I'll go. I, I want to believe. I want to believe, but I'm going to go like 36. 36. See, if the Magic hadn't burned me so many times where I say, oh, yeah, you know, there's something interesting here. Like, I could totally see them sneaking into the eighth seed. I mean, look at the bottom of the East. You know, mm-hmm. if their team is, like, kind of actually put together and the rotation is in a decent shape, like, they have talent. It's just I can't trust them. So I'm going to go lower than that. I'm going to say 32, 33. But I do think there's a better than – expected chance that they sort of sneak into the playoffs you know they basically have to be that like we'll see about philly and how well they mesh quickly obviously they have the most talent um you would think charlotte would bounce back detroit's also there but like i mean one of those teams totally or two very easily could slip so so many teams took a huge step back chicago indiana um atlanta right i could see a world where they're the seventh seed I'm, I would say maybe a 15% chance, but I could see it. Yeah, it's not not inconceivable. Not inconceivable. The Orlando Magic 2017-18 season. So, <sighs> yeah, well. I, th- a- I think that the, the better question is who in the Eastern Conference is really a lock to make the playoffs right now? I would say the top six. Cleveland, Boston, Washington. Miami, Milwaukee, and Toronto. I would say those those six teams are pretty set. So then you have you have two two spots for a, a glutton of punishment, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Charlotte, I think, will bounce back. I would say they're in the driver's seat to claim the seventh seed, and then we'll see what happens with Detroit. Uh, there's, uh, I think, Indiana might have a better record than they want to than they want to have. They want uh, to have yeah. <laughs> I think there's, a, you know, Orlando is there. We'll see about if the Knicks sort of mesh. I, I'm not seeing it. Um, I mean, the, it, the Pacers traded for NBA superstar Victor Oladipo. That's right. So. Yeah. yeah. The guy that the Magic could not let get away, but did and will be fine for yeah, it. We, we, are, we are secretly very mad about that trade. 
maybe not so secretly. I was going to say, well, but uh, not because you lost Victor Oladipo, but because of a few other factors. Right, because some other team traded him for Paul George when we got Serge Ibaka. Right, yeah. And But I think that most of us agree that that trade is a little ridiculous for Indiana. I feel like they could have gotten a lot more for Paul George. Oh, absolutely, yeah. But this is not a Pacers podcast. This is a Magic podcast. Zach Oliver, Corey Hudson, thank you so much for joining us from Orlando Pinstripe Post. This is episode 6 of 30 for the season preview series with our SB Nation team communities. Go back and listen to the Knicks. Go back and listen to the Sixers, Lakers, Suns, and Nets. We'll have Minnesota and Sacramento are on the docket coming up. But Zach and Corey, thank you so much for joining us. This was a lot of fun. Great insight into a team that I think a lot of people don't really pay attention to, but you guys are really on the mark. So thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, Mike. It was great being here. Yeah, thanks for having us again. Of course. Surprised uh, you brought us back. Why would I not bring you back? I don't know. We were, we were so wrong about this team last year. Yeah, do you think that there are a lot of things that I'm right about? <laughs> I had them in the playoffs. It's not just you. Well, I, d- I didn't have them in the playoffs. I had I was... them taking the eighth seed. Yeah, it wasn't just you. <laughs> they I made was fun of me for this all season. We miss Ben. Yeah. I, I miss Ben. Yeah, Ben had a Ben had a series of meetings today, uh, so he couldn't make it. Um, but it was great to have you guys. And uh, until next time, this is the Limited Upside Podcast. Yeah.